start recording. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Mixed Bag with Abby Liebenthal and Justin Cruz. Episode three. Together again. I know, which I mean, I hope we can continue at least for a bit. You're the one that's traveling all around. I know. I'm here. I'm a townie. You are a townie. We're back in the 1903 room live. From live. The 1903. The 1903 room at the beautiful Inverness Club where it's mass chaos outside. People, forklifts, Pepsi machines. <laughs> a lot of Pepsi machines. There's a and lot Fifth going Third on. Bank ATMs. Yes. So if you need money. There's ATMs that you can get run over. So <laughs> it's a, there's a lot going on. It is the... It's not even the calm before the storm. It's the storm before the storm. Yeah, it's good, though. Solheim yep. Cup is, is here. But before we get into what's going on in women's golf, we always have to start with Justin's 60 seconds of personal golf fame. 60 seconds of my golf <laughs> review. Um, okay, hang on. i got to pull it up. Okay, go ahead. Last time, <laughs> we talked about how terrible I played in the USGA Mid-Am qualifier. I've yes. redeemed myself slightly. I played in the Ohio Am or the Ohio Mid-Am, shot 73-72-71, which was even par, and I finished in 12th place. So not a bad showing for a marginal player of my abilities. And then yesterday, my wife and I defended our district couples championship, the divorce open. We won the (laughs) net. We shot a gross 78 for a net 68. So we are the back-to-back net champions of the Toledo district husband and wife championship also known as the divorce open brendan and i will have to compete in it because by next year we'll be married so then we could really be part of the divorce open there was one (laughs) our fourth hole almost ended the entire day with multiple expletives directed at each other so i love it i'm kind of here for it i think once you've like played a few rounds of golf it's fun to have some like wild moment playing alternate shot with your spouse Mm. test all your patience and really test your relationship okay well you're both here today so for now (laughs) all right well we're gonna get into it starting with the curtis cup um the curtis cup is still being played it's the second day of it right now and they're tied through four matches um the first day was brutal for them for team u for the usa team um they were down they only had half a point i think mm-hmm. in the morning and then it was one and a half after the second match so uh glad to see it's six to six hopefully i think it's just singles matches tomorrow so i would imagine it's just singles matches yeah. tomorrow rose zhang came or kind of seemed to lead the comeback the last two days yeah and rachel heck mm-hmm. i saw rachel lost uh, her match this afternoon but rose i think has picked up at least two and a half out of her last three potential points so she seems to be in a nice run and is playing well but it was surprising when I turned in yesterday or turned it on yesterday to see you know the deficit they were up against yeah but that's how those team competitions work just because you have the number one and number two amateur in the world on an eight person team you're playing in Wales at a venue that you're not familiar with Mm -hmm. Lynx Golf and they seem to be kind of getting their feet under them. The American team seems to be playing better. So it'll be interesting to see how it all sorts up. By the time this is released, there'll be, be a over. winner. Yeah. 
But for those who don't know, the Curtis Cup is a match that pits the best female American amateur golfers against the best female amateur golfers from Great Britain and Ireland. And it's the counterpart on the men's side is the Walker Cup, um, which was played at Seminole this year. And it was first called the Women's International Cup. Um, the Cup for the Curtis Cup match was officially presented in 1932 by sisters Harriet and Margaret Curtis, who, which I just thought was kind of fun. They both won the women's amateur four times between them. Yeah, so like it's it's a pretty sweet deal. Um, it's a, a really cool event. I, I think it's at Marion the next time it's here, which is sick. Wow. I'm pretty sure. I might be mistaken, which would be bad since I work for the USA. You should know. But um, I, we'll look that up and fact check later. The one thing I did notice that you kind of mentioned, so the World Amateur Golf ranking for the US average is 31, where for GB&I it's 44. So it's actually a pretty even field. Mm -hmm. um, but numbers three, four, and five in Wagger are Swedish players, and they can't be on the team because it's GB&I. Right. It's so, not like Solheim. I know. So I'm wondering if like either of these will ever expand because Solheim Cup and Ryder Cup have. That's true. Here's where you get a lot of credit and extra points with your superiors. The 2022 uh, Curtis Cup, it says 2022, is, is. at Marion. I, because they had to move, to move it back, but they okay. have next year's. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at least you're correct there. I know. Thank goodness. Okay. So let's talk about the AIG Women's Open. I didn't watch because I was dress shopping for my wedding dress, which is which is horrible, and I'm a bad golf fan, but I, I didn't watch a single minute. I think I watched like two minutes of it in the hotel room because it helped that it was on at like 7 a.m. So a four-day golf tournament, major championship <laughs> with a dramatically increased purse, and you this dress shopping took over all of that. It really did. All four days. I was like very okay. tuned out. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure that we have all of our facts correct. Yes. Now that you know like where my headspace is for this whole thing, neither of our picks won. Uh, there was a lot of smack talking come Thursday. You thought you were really on to something after the first round when your bold pick of the number one player in the world. Ah! was leading. I went deeper down the roster and picked Leona McGuire, mm -hmm. who continues her very solid play, gets another top 15 finish and ties for 13th. She briefly kind of got into the mix early Saturday and kind of fell off a little bit, but played a solid round of golf on Sunday and got herself into another top 15. So I am very proud of my pick. Our picks, as it turned out, Nelly Corda also tied for 13th, so they tied. <laughs> I Obvious, didn't realize that. Obviously, I get the bonus points because <laughs> I picked the lower ranked or higher ranked, however you want to look at it, sure. player. So the odds. Your your bold pick. You also picked Ilimi. No, she also tied for 13th. Oh gosh. So our. Uh, our Felt group right. of players did pretty well on the whole for us. Well, Anna Norquist was the one who won. Um, it was 1,435 days since her last win. And for comparison, Tony Finau, who won last weekend, it was 1,975 days since his last win. So like a lot of, you know, comebacks for quote unquote, the older folks. Those are those both tours. fun facts. You know, I love fun facts. Those are both fun facts. But mm -hmm. Anna Nordquist, what a unique resume yeah. she is developing. Third it's her major. third major. Mm -hmm hasn't won in multiple years isn't someone that contends with frequent regularity admittedly yeah. and they talked about this a lot the broadcast battles like chipping yips so on 16 
in the final round. She kind of played it short right on the long par three and then putted it up from a great distance to nearly made it. Yeah. Um, but there was multiple highlights and you know coverage on Twitter that showed her battling chipping yips, battling you know just kind of the mental demons around pitching the golf ball. So a lot of credit to her and I mean, just an unbelievable resume to have three major championships yeah. and really that is you know largely her entire career right it's not a career that's you often see someone might have 10 wins in one major right it's a career that she shows up in these big championships and you know credit yeah. to her but it was a great event uh it's unfortunate that as the lead of this podcast you saw none of it but it was highly highly entertaining on sunday you had a lot of players within the mix a lot of ebbs and flows i thought it was great how many european players played well with uh, madeline sagstrom mm -hmm. in the mix to the very end georgia hall played great on sunday uh, my only wish for the tournament is that we would have gotten a little bit more open championship type weather Right, it was nice out, right? The, the conditions the were fairly benign at Carnoustie. It didn't show maybe some of its teeth that it could have shown and has shown in the past, but it's a great event. It's a great venue. We talked a lot about this mm -hmm. kind of in our little mini preview of just where the, the venue is taking and then the increase in the purse. You know, AIG and the RNA threw another $1.3 million at it this year, and I think it's going up another over $1 million next year to 6.8 when it's at... Muirfield. So between the RNA and the USGA, they're really making a super strong investment in women's major championship golf, not only from a venue standpoint, and we know I'm big on venue, but also mm -hmm. from a purse standpoint. It's going to be interesting how the LPGA reacts to that, not just from the, a major championship at the women's uh, PGA championship, but more just as a tour. Because you're yeah. going to have events now that have purses in excess of $6 million dollars while also having regular domestic events with purses, you know, in or under $1.5 million. It was, in, I think I saw Nolang Up tweeted something about, like, the differences between the women's majors, purses, and regular week-to-week -week LPGA Tour events, and then the men's. Right. The women's, like, the disparity is huge right. between the majors and LPGA Tour events, whereas the men's, it ends up evening out quite a bit. It does, because you're looking, even though the men's major purses are larger, even the lower regular tour event, you're still taking home well over a million dollars in first place earnings. Uh, and the women's tour, I mean, you're going to have, for instance, I think the Portland tournament that's coming up. I think that purse is just 1.3 million. It's one of the lowest. Wow. The one in Toledo, the marathon was about 2 million. So you see a lot of these purses that are about 1.5. It's just going to create a ton of weight and the players getting into the majors and then playing well in the majors. Yeah. Especially the both open championships. All right. What was your birdie of the major? My birdie of the major, you know, I really, really wanted to give it to myself for my excellent <laughs> Leona McGuire pick. Okay. But I can't. I'm not, I'm not that, you know, that um, self-indulged. But my, my birdie of the week goes to Lizette Salas. And the reason it goes to Lizette Salas is she had a lot of pressure on herself to get into the Solheim Cup, mm -hmm. to contend. She's not the longest hitter on tour. They had multiple short par fours set up on Sunday, shorter par fives. She really hung in there, battled all the way to the end, had a chance to win. 
secures her spot in the Solheim Cup after kind of being out of that automatic right. uh, top nine. So my birdie of the week goes to American and USC graduate Lizette Salas, who's tied for second, got her onto the Solheim Cup team. So a lot of credit to her. She is the first woman to finish runner-up in multiple major championships in the same season since Suzanne Pedersen did it 11 years ago. More fun facts. More fun facts. But that was something I had taken note of. Did she play really slow? She's not known as a particularly fast okay. player. And that's another, there was a lot of Twitter content. There yeah. was a photo of <laughs> Sophia Popoff on one hole, kind of sitting in the back, this. leaning, and looks like she's about ready to fall asleep. So <laughs> there were some pace of play issues, especially on Thursday and Friday, that I think, you know, Stacey Lewis has been an outspoken mm-hmm. critic of. Beginning of the week. Yeah. She had like a monologue right. about pace of play. And I think she's right. She is. You're putting yeah. a product out there that is an entertainment product for television, mm-hmm. and you're trying to condense it into a TV window, into a fan viewing window, and you just can't play as slow as some of these players are playing. And the LPGA and the parties that you're going to have to keep coming down on people for slow play. But Stacy talked about there's player manipulation with the process. They know the rules. They kind of know where they can... You know, where they need to speed up, things of that nature. So on the whole, though, a great event, a great major championship, a great major championship venue. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more weather, but a diverse leaderboard, a super compelling leaderboard, and that's all that you can really ask to see. We're trying to find a place we can work where there's Wi-Fi. Um... Another disruption. <laughs> um, Justin loves that. Justin loves to get rattled a little bit. Um, so my birdie of the major was you took it, which was all about the prize fund, which was awesome. I mean, I think when anytime like they can increase the purse, Justin is very rattled by the disruption in I here mean, right now. This is literally like two <laughs> weeks in a row, 15 minutes in. Someone just barges in. We're sitting here talking. We have some semblance of recording equipment in front of us. And these old bozos just parade through this little... We're not even in a hall. We are in a small, small room. And they just come in here and some guy, I'm trying to find Wi-Fi. Where can I have my meeting? This is unbelievable. I thought this was a nice place. If only we knew. If only we knew someone whose dad was on the board or something. All right, all right. Well, now that you're all fired up, what was your what was your rating of the AIG Women's Open? Okay, awesome venue, great deserving champion, super compelling leaderboard coming down the stretch with a lot of different players in the mix. Mm -hmm. I think I'm pretty sure I gave the Olympics a 4.5, which I felt was very, really very high. high and very deserving. This was a really good event. I am going to go 4.25 on this one. We're going okay. to take it to another another decimal point because I just didn't feel like felt 4.3 was a little too close to the Olympics, and the Olympics brought a lot more to the table. Yeah. This was a very good event, but I, again, I need to leave myself some wiggle room. It was you know better than Evian that we've talked about. Sure. Better venue, better kind of unique finish. So 4.25. That's my rating, and I'm very comfortable with that rating. Okay. Well done. Well, now we're going to get into our preview for the Solheim Cup. We're sitting at the home of the 2021 Solheim Cup at Inverness Club. I'm, I mean, I'm just going to plug my podcast with Alex Graff, which was um, 
the Golf 101 WTF is the Solheim Cup and Alex Graff is tournament services manager for the Solheim Cup. She just breaks down all the basics. So if you're coming into the week and you're like, I don't know what the Solheim Cup is. I don't know the format. What they what are they fighting for? Like it's a it's just a really nice primer. Alex is great. She she shares the history of the event um, as well as, you know, what the impact is, of course, on the city of Toledo as well. So um, we're going to get more into the actual play and the teams. Um, so once you listen to that podcast, you yeah. should You guys did an awesome job, as expected. Um, you guys were super entertaining, very oh, informative. Learned a lot about the event if you're coming in from an outsider perspective. And to have someone that we both know that's from the yeah. area involved, um, it was great. And it was Alex was a great... Uh, a far more superior uh, for the ladies participant than my meager self. Okay, well, we'll get into it. And so to start, Europe won the last Solheim Cup in 2019 at Glen Eagles. Suzanne Pedersen had her like epic mic drop where right. she made the winning putt and then retired yeah. <laughs> from golf. Um, Walk and, off. Yeah. So to reclaim the cup, they only need 14 points while the U.S. would need 14 and a half to win because... They're the defending champions, so to speak. Um, I think I'd love to just like run through Team USA and Team Europe. I think on paper, Team USA looks really good. It's eight of the top 30 in the Rolex rankings. And just to list off who they are, it's Nellie Korda, Danielle Kang, Allie Ewing, Austin Ernst, Lexi Thompson, Jessica Korda, and Megan Kang. Like Justin mentioned, Lizette Salas got in through playing well at the AIG. And then Jennifer Cupshow also, they are the two highest Americans in the Rolex rankings that were not among that group ahead of them. And then the captain's picks, which Justin also thinks he, he had intel on, were Brittany Altimore, Yaley Vino, and Vina Harrigay. Um, Something that I read in, in Digest is that, you know, and Alex shared this as well, is Pat Hurst is using the pod system again where players play in with certain people throughout the entire event. So she clearly didn't go based on um, experience like with a Stacey Lewis or an Angela Stanford. And she went with players that she thought would mesh well with the rest of the team. Yeah, we uh, went to a breakfast a few months ago that Pat Hurst mm. talked about the pod system, talked about the personality test. Cool. Kind of how players jive together. Especially important when you're playing foursomes, also known as alternate shot. And based on her picks, I was surprised Stacey Lewis did not get picked as I texted you on Sunday evening. I had gotten wind from one of my uh, Source. sources, one of my anonymous sources, that she was not going to get a pick. And that was a little surprising given her yeah. uh, family history here in Toledo, her relationship with Marathon, who's a sponsor, and just her you know history with the event. But I think in these team competitions, it's good to get a little younger. It's good to get people out there that maybe aren't as familiar and I was very happy to see Yelimi No get picked. I don't mm -hmm. think that was a huge surprise for us. Right. Uh, she'd been trending in a very positive direction with positive showings at the Evian and as well um, at the Open Championship. I think Mina Harrigay was a little bit of a, su yeah. a surprise. She's a little bit more unknown mm -hmm. to some players but again you know fresh individuals fresh blood if you will she's yeah. kind of built herself up over the last year and a half playing some you know mini tour events and things like that during the covid break and really deserves and is playing well and she was out here 
uh, a month or so ago for the practice round. So she oh, cool. clearly was in the mix and okay. Captain Pat Hurst's mind. But yeah, you talked about it. it's a very solid team. It's I think it's a little more top heavy in yeah. terms of world rankings and some of the teams have been in the past. Uh, and we can talk about that a little bit more as we compare the European roster sure. that maybe has a little bit more depth, if you will, especially based on recent performances. But there is a good mix of veterans, even though Lexi Thompson's not that old. She's played in a lot of Solheim yeah. Cups and a lot of experience. Uh, Danielle Kang, I think the leadership will naturally evolve, and it will be interesting to see kind of who is partnered with who. Obviously, the Cordes sisters are going to be together, but where do the other natural teammates, natural partnerships um, does Pat Hurst put out there? Because clearly she's got a lineup in her mind, and you mentioned Angela Stanford. You know, she was already in the mix as going to be an assistant captain. Uh-huh. I wonder if maybe for that's Angela like that's kind of what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think good on Pat Hurst for clearly, like, sticking to her plan and not just sure. going with what she felt she needed to do or something. Um, I will be curious. Like, do you put all the top-heavy people together, or do you spread them out in yeah. the pot? I can't wait to see. The Hal Sutton... Oakland Hills Ryder Cup approach when you put Phil Mickelson and Tiger together when they were one and two in the world and they lost. Right. I think there is an element of that. You put the the Corda sisters out together. Sure, it puts a lot of momentum if they win and they're such a great team together. Sure. But if you're Europe and you're Katrina Matthew and you can get someone to upset them or even have a match with them, sometimes that flips and that flips momentum. And in those team events, it's where so much of the event is decided in such a short you know, period of time, you get momentum swing on your side. It can go a long way. Yeah. Well, for Team Europe, Sofia Popov is the highest ranked player on their team in the top 30. Um, so from the Solheim Cup rankings, they put their team together a little differently. So from their rankings, Emily Pedersen and Georgia Hall got in. And then from the Rolex rankings, Anna Nordquist, Sofia Popov, Charlie Hall, and Carlota Singanda all got in. And those are like your big names, I feel like. Mm -hmm. The picks were Leona McGuire, Matilda Kasterin, and Nana Madsen. And Nana had, I had been following their rankings. She had been one or two the whole time. So make sense and then the other picks um that are not rookies were madeline sagstrom celine boutier and mel reed um solid team like yeah i definitely yeah. agree with your comment on depth a really good team a lot of depth you have players that have won you know matilda won an lpj event this year georgia mm -hmm. halls won a open championship sophia popov won an open championship last year and a norquist just won the Sagstrom open has championship. So well. Sagstrom easily could have won. Nana could have easily yep. won. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's a group that has a few more familiar names than maybe what some you know traditional American fans are going to see. There's also a lot of really good stories. If you do any research into Madeline Sagstrom and what she's been through, yeah. Matilda Castron in terms of just getting on this team, uh, Mel Reed not being on the last team. So I think there's a lot of likable personalities yeah. from the European side. I definitely personally feel I have a lot more familiarity with this European team than maybe I have in years past. Absolutely. Yeah, most of the time it's like, I know Team USA, so like that's who I'm rooting for. Right. Where like this, it's like, it's going to be really fun to watch. Right. Plenty of likable. And then the, like, the pairings are going to be super fun then too. Definitely. I mean, there's natural pairings in terms of nationality, in sure. terms of background, but a lot of cool makeup, you know, Leona McGuire becomes the first Irish woman to make a, a Solheim Cup. 
you know, you have Matilda Castron from Finland. Mm -hmm. So creating more buzz, growing the game of golf, I think there's a lot of positives that come of this. Sophia Popoff from Germany. Germany's not a traditional yeah. golf power. So it's a very uniquely made up team, but it's also a team that I think has a lot of depth. And if they get the right people to play well, you know, Celine Boudier almost won the drive on when it was here last oh, year. Yeah. So she's got familiarity with the golf course. I, I think there's a good makeup for this team. And I think it's a really solidly constructed team mm -hmm. that Katrina put together. I think their roster of 12 was pretty apparent. Yes. I don't think there was any surprises with the picks. Right. I think they don't have enough of the depth as the Americans do, where there were two or three people that feel left out. Mm -hmm. I think they're bringing the 12 people that expected to be here. And maybe in a way that helps them that a lot of their team knew they were going to be here and you're kind of mentally preparing for that. Yeah. And so when I worked at the AJGA, I worked the Junior Solheim Cup in 2013. And Emily Pedersen was like the talk of the Junior Solheim Cup because she like bombs it. Really? Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see her now at the professional version of the event. Um, and I will say the Junior Solheim Cup is also happening here in so Toledo um, next week or this weekend. Yeah, at it's Sylvania, at Sylvania Country. Country Club. Yep. And that's fun to pay attention to just because you'll see like the names that are coming up. Sure. Um, and Annika is the captain of the European yeah. team and Renee Powell is the captain of the American team. It's awesome. Team. Yeah. So it's a great setup. Yeah. Well, we'd love to talk about Inverness because it's both a place near and dear to our hearts. I'm... I mean, I think the big fun thing to talk about first is just the grandstand around 1 in 10. Right. It's looking sweet. It's awesome. <laughs> so you have, there's been a lot of pictures on Instagram and Twitter, but you have what amounts to a three-story, uh, you know, press box, suite, loge, I don't know what the proper term is, right behind the tee. And then you have kind of a U-shape surrounding the first and 10th tee. And for anyone that's ever seen Inverness or been here the first and 10th tee kind of share one large teen area and for this they're combining it into one smaller teen area so it'll kind of create a little bit of a natural dog leg to the left off of number one and a natural dog leg to the left off of number 10 but everybody's going to be right on top of each other it's a it's a really neat setup that's it's come together very quickly you know yeah. I've been here since June when they started the, the build out and to get to this point with everything done and everything in place, it looks very, very impressive. And then the Meyer Pavilion, which is out on number uh, two, 12, three, you can Four. see about five or six yeah. holes. And that's, I think, in excess of 50,000 square feet. They're gonna have bands, bars, music going. And that's a, a double-decker also. Where so, you'll find me for yeah. a majority of the event. So from the top of that event, you really can see about the entire golf course. So. It's such a good spot. I'm excited yeah. I'm excited to see how that works out, mostly just because, like, future events that come to Inverness. Right. Like, that's pretty sick. So. And as, you, as your guest, Becky Newell, said, you know, they're trying to set the standard from the Solheim mm -hmm. Cup of things that are unique, things that are different. I think the combined yeah. first and tenth tee is very different with the makeup of this golf course, some of the close proximities of the holes. The Meyer Pavilion is going to be a really cool place to sit and watch and see a lot of different golf just by kind of repositioning yourself across this, my, this massive, you know, area. Yeah. 
Well, something else for us to talk about is, of course, they switch holes 9 and 18. So in match play, you may not make it to all 18 holes. Most of the time you don't. So mm -hmm. since 18 is such a historic hole at Inverness and it's a gettable par 4, um, it makes so much sense for them to, you know, to switch that so all players are getting through it. And then they're going to go into the huge grandstand on 10. I just, I thought that was a great call. Yeah, the, the 9 to 10 transition is going to be really cool because mm -hmm. you've got a natural amphitheater on 18 with the clubhouse with some seating on top of the clubhouse and in yeah. front of the clubhouse. You have a row of 10s to the south side of the 18th green and then you'll walk off and go right to the, you know, back to the combined first and 10th tee to play the back nine. So it's really going to be a setting that's going to be loud, have a lot of energy in a very close proximity. But I think Inverness is naturally set up for this golf, for this event. I think it's a great match play golf course. Yes. There's ebbs and flows. And then the back nine, a lot of the holes are close together. Which is going to be really fun. So yeah, you're yeah. going to get a lot of energy and a lot of noise and a lot of excitement in a close proximity. So I think that's going to be good from a fan's viewing point, both on television and in person. Yeah. What holes are you excited to see? Well, I listened to a, a podcast with Andrew Green, who did the renovation oh, here. Oh, Yes. Nice. And he was just on talking kind of about the Solheim Cup in 18, which we is going to play as nine. He just mentioned the difference in teen area. Could yeah. they move it up where it's drivable? Yes. Do they play it further back and the players lay up? How is that kind of approach, especially in best ball or alternate shot? That's going to be a good hole to watch. Um, I like, you know, I think par threes are always exciting. You know, the 12th hole, you're kind of getting into the heat of the battle as a medium length par three that's going to be right next to the Meyer Pavilion. It's going to be a while. So you're going to have yeah. a lot of people. The way that the pavilion's kind of set up, you're probably about eight to ten feet above the player. So these fans are going to be almost looking right down on top of the players with six or seven holes to go and you have a short kind of gettable par three. I think that's going to be kind of an interesting stage in the proceedings when you go from, you know, nine slash 18 i know people are going to be so confused by this to 10 and then when you get to 11 green and 12 right by the massive 50,000 seat lot of you know pavilion there's going to be a lot of noise a lot of energy in a three to four hole stretch which i think will be really good yeah i'm excited i'm trying to think of what holes i'm excited for i always like um i always like to see how the pros play six Mm -hmm. just because you have the false front and right. I just think that's like entertaining because you could have a you know if you lay up then you have the opportunity but if you want to go for it like you it's a big risk reward sure. hole so yeah, I always six and seven say, are just massively difficult yeah par fours holes. back to back that yeah. you know a, a par par an alternate shot has a good chance of winning both holes right so it, and especially as you kind of get towards the end of the front nine it starts to set a tone for maybe where the match is going yeah no i'm excited it should be great so i think we should just go into our picks okay what is your so winning score and team okay so there are 28 available points yes the europeans need 14 to retain mm -hmm. you need 14 and a half to win if you look at the historical context of the solheim cup a lot of these matches have been extremely close Okay. And a lot of these championships or competitions have played out in a fairly, fairly tight manner. I do believe that while this is an incredibly talented European team and has a lot of depth and has a lot of individuals 
that I personally like and personally you know, want to succeed and continue to, to find success. I just think the Americans are too strong at the top. And when you look at a situation where let's just say that you know, Lexi Thompson or Jessica Corda is your you know, third or fourth best player, right. that's a pretty strong lineup. And yeah. that's not even getting into people that maybe you know, Lizette Salas is playing as well as anybody or a young player like you leave me know who's really been playing well you know, this summer. I think the Americans just have too much talent at the top. I think that'll end up showing itself in the singles competition. I believe when it's all said and done, you're probably looking at somewhere in the range. This is hard. I wrote down a couple numbers. You got to make sure you do the math right because you yes. don't want to. I'm going to say we're going to be in the 15 and a half to 12 and a half type range. Okay. So I think it'll be close. I can see the Americans leading by a point or two going into the final 12 matches on Sunday. And I think at that point, if the Europeans are behind going into Sunday, they really dig themselves a hole because while their depth is greatly improved, the, the top end uh, talent for the Americans is too strong. So I will say 15 okay. and a half to 12 and a half. I'm gonna write this down. The Americans get the Solheim Cup back, get a little revenge, and I think it will be compelling on Sunday. I will be very surprised either way, but I'll be very surprised if the Europeans are not in the mix midday on Sunday. Yeah. That, so that was my thought. I also think Team USA will win, but I think it's going to come down to the end. 14 and a half to 13 and a half is mine. I think, I mean, hometown, home team advantage is certainly there. You know, with COVID, there aren't going to be a lot of international That's true. fans. Um, I think there will still be fans maybe from the U.S. who are cheering for Team Europe. So like that, you always have like that dynamic. So it's not like they won't have any fans. But, um, you know, Danielle King won here during the drive-on. I think that they they just have it's just too strong of a team for them to not show up. But I do think just because these women don't play four ball and alternate shot very often, I think it's just it is going to be close the first sure. two days because I think that the Europeans will they'll just get into a groove and probably win a few. It, to me, it's all going to be about sun, um, Monday with the singles matches. I think that's where we're going to end up, just kind of trumping right them right pat hurst can put a lineup out there where she could conceivably just go you know corda corda right. danielle kang lexi thompson and, and like your anchor could still be like lizette right or or like you know yay low me oh my god why you leave me how did i like not say that i feel like bread and poor ass or i can't <laughs> say things correctly um, no i 100 percent agree with you i think the depth of the American team is super strong, yeah. But they're they're just so top heavy yeah. that I think some of, a little bit of their inexperience will be able to be over kind of overcome. And I'm excited to see like how Jennifer Cupcho plays. Right. I'm excited to see how Mina plays. Um, even you know players like Ali Ewing, like just excited to see because even if they've played in the Solheim Cup before. Um, they're just names that we don't hear about as often. So if they have those big moments, I think it's, it's just really exciting for them. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel like Team USA is going to take it. Um, the one things that, the, a few things that I just thought were fun were like Sofia Popov, like she caddied here during the drive-on, right. Van Van Dam. So like, and a lot of them have been here during the marathon. A ton of them come out and they play from both teams. So I think it's a course that they all seem to love. 
Um, and with that, like, who knows what happens. But I, I do think Team USA will take it. Yeah, and I think there is some familiarity with this venue. They yeah. have a pro-am here during the week of the marathon. You have yeah. a lot of players that played a 54-hole stroke play event here just over, you know, 15 months ago. So there is some familiarity that you don't always get, right. but it is a, a championship-level golf course that should set up well for birdies and should be very, very exciting. I'm pumped. Can't believe it's here. We've been talking about it forever. It, it is crazy when you get awarded one of these events and it's, you know, four-plus years out, and now all of a sudden it's, you know, In days away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Well, what is your fact of the week to end the pod? Okay, I, I've got multiple Solheim Cup fun facts to stump you I on. I think this is great. Okay. Okay, we'll start with easy fun facts. What player has the most career points won in the Solheim Cup? Is it somebody who's on the team this year? No, but okay. may be affiliated. Okay, so is it Angela? No. Oh. And it could be a European. Oh, okay. That, sorry, I wasn't nope, clear. I got Most it. Okay, points okay. all time, regardless of Team USA or Europe. Okay. Um, is it, um, oh my gosh, Katrina Matthew? No. Who is it? Laura Davies, 25 oh. points. Oh my gosh. Okay. What, do you know what her full Her full record? Standings, yeah. 22, 18, and 6. Jeez. That's insane. She appeared in 12 Solheim Cups oh from 1990 to 2011. Oh, my gosh. That's so many. <laughs> that's a lot of golf. It's <laughs> a long time. Okay. Okay, next one. Youngest player, in, and this was in 2013. Were you at that one? Yeah. Youngest player to ever participate in the Solheim Cup. Okay, so it can't be 2013. Was it Allison Lee? Charlie Hall, oh. 17 years old. It's these Europeans, too. <laughs> oh. I'm not doing well. <laughs> this is Congratulations to you, though. <laughs> okay. Last one. Okay. Most singles points won. This is an American. All time? All or? time, okay. most singles points won. She has won seven singles points, a 6-1-2 and two record. Wait, that's, like, not that many. For singles, that's just singles. Oh, single, single, Most singles, singles points okay. one. So in singles matches only, Again, six, one, and two, and it's it an American. associated with the event this year? I would say no. Not like if officially. Yes, I would say no official capacity. Okay. Is it Julie Inkster? Correct. Oh, thank goodness. I got one it. out of three. That's, a good, that's good in baseball. Yeah, I, I mean, facts are hard. I, frankly, the last two weeks... I don't know how I knew them. I got lucky. Yes. So, cool. That's very, it. Very well done. So, what is your role during the Solheim Cup? My wife, Stephanie, and I are in charge of the driving range. Okay. Um, there's a lot of people that have worked extremely, extremely hard, both with the LPGA, with the club, in Toledo, with getting volunteers, organizing volunteers, marshals, yeah. access control. Two of the people that have not had to work that hard are myself <laughs> and my wife because driving range is a very desirable volunteer mm -hmm. job. The club has its own staff. We basically have to bag the balls. And evidently, there's only, I've been told by 
um, an individual named Aaron, I won't divulge his last name to protect the innocent, that there's only one. Is he related one. to an Abby Leventhal? No, oh, no. Okay. An individual named Aaron <laughs> with the LPGA that, oh, okay. um, that there is only one type of ball. So whatever, mm. when the caddy or player comes to the range, we will hand them their bag of golf balls or more. And we may have to change their name placards if they don't go in front of their designated range session, well, range spot. And that will be... I'm guessing it's Titleist Golf Balls. It is. And I think they're Pro V1Xs. Okay. I think that's what I was told. Well, Titleist Pro V1Xs are given to all women at For the Ladies Clinics. So we're, we're happy to, to give them Perfect. Happy to give them that plug. But no, yes. a lot of people have worked really hard to get to this point. Cool. We've just had to kind of manage some sign-ups and cancellations and getting people into the right slots. But we have not had to put in nearly the hours yeah. some other individuals have had and we're also going to have an opportunity to be close Enjoy and it. watch the players warm up and get ready and see all the nerves and i can't wait for your stories oh it'll be good we'll have some good stories we'll come yeah. up with something yeah we'll do so, we'll do story time in 60 seconds we'll do That'll story time bad. in 60 seconds. i have no my golf season is pretty much done so there'll be no Perfect. more hot reviews of my marginal golf game wonderful uh, my role at the solheim cup is zero to none i'm just coming as a fan and attending and supporting team usa so. what better role is there than that I know. enjoy all the events enjoy yeah. the the good weather that's forecasted hopefully knock on wood and yeah. It should be a great event for the city, for women's golf, for yes. the club. So Very excited. All right, see you next week. Just can't wait. Thank you. Thank you.